Between you and me, it was lower testosterone. Lower T? Yeah. The doc told me once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to stay in shape. That's why I started taking Nugenics Total T. It's made a huge difference. Oh, I've seen that on TV. Is it for real? For sure. It's the number one doctor-recommended testosterone booster. It boosts free and total testosterone levels to help you get back the drive and energy from your youth. My wife, my boss, my kids, everyone has noticed a change in me. Do they still give out complimentary bottles for people to try for themselves? Yes. Just send them a text. Guys, text HATCH to 3213. 321- one right now for your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea. Nugenics is the number one selling testosterone brand at GNC and Walmart. Plus, text now and we'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, our most powerful fat incinerator ever, to help you get back in shape fast, absolutely free. Text H-A-T-C-H to 321-321. That's hatch. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton. This is the Shane Dennis Show on the new ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Yes, it is. Happy Thursday to you. Happy noon time. Episode 423. Jack Johnson alongside running the show. There are many ways you can consume this show, either live or otherwise. And they are as follows. Call us, 316-669-4996. We're on until 2 o'clock. Text us, 316-247-0923. Text us anytime you feel like it. The text line open 24-7. Tell your smart speaker to play KKGQ. That's us, 92.3, 92.3 FM on your radio. Tune in on your phone, ESPNWichita.com for podcasts, old shows, any segment of any show that we've done is at ESPNWichita.com. So go there. Follow us on Twitter. Be our friends on Facebook. It is February 16th. And unfortunately, Wichitans, we're at our high temperature. Maybe, just maybe, we get to 33 degrees today. All right. Here's what we got for you here on Thursday. Plenty of Shocker sports to preview or review when it comes to the Shocker women's basketball team. Impressive last night. We'll talk about it. We have a, another Royals Hall of Famer. We'll talk about that at 1225 and a play on Think You Know Your Chiefs in that segment. We'll have a little fun then. And that Hall of Famer is subject to the Twitter question at ESPN Wichita. So go there and vote. For those of you that do, thank you. Headlines coming up at 1 o'clock. Jamie Bloom at 125. Get his thoughts on college baseball's opening weekend. Kicks off tomorrow. And Jack and myself, the topic, well, Jack is responsible for the topic. Bobby Witt Jr. better off at third base. We'll get Jamie's thoughts on that and how long this shortstop experiment will last. As spring training games get closer and closer, about a little over a week for uh, the Royals to play spring training games. And then I'm old Jack Young coming up at the end of the show. And then we'll hand you off to Pat and the Pulse coming at you from 2 to 4. So there you go. There's your show. Uh 316-247-0923 if you want to chime in on any of the topics that we covered today 
or just any old thing that crosses your mind that thinks you that you think might interest us, fire away on the text line. No filters, no rules. All right, Jack, moment of levity on a almost weekend edition of the show. Well, Shane, it turns out a, ma- a major new study recently found that humans eat more bananas than monkeys. But I can't remember the last time I ate a monkey. Ha-ha. Hey, what was the, the, what was the Toronto Blue Jays uh, Japanese player? A Kawas- that, uh, Kawasaki? That said monkeys never cramp? Monkeys that, never was, crap. Well, that was his line, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah monkeys bananas. never crap. Never cramp. All right, it is uh, February 16th, as I mentioned. Not much going on today, honestly. Although, I had a handful of these at my Super Bowl party. National Almond Day. They're delicious. They thrive in warm, dry climates with mild winters, and they're native to the Middle East. Delicious and good for you. Healthful. National Almond Day. And National Do a Grouch a Favor Day. Pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, four days for you to tell about uh, to tell you about tomorrow on February seventeenth. So check us out then for that. February sixteenth, celebrated history. A little, little thin too. However, in nineteen twenty-three, archaeologist Howard Carter opened King Tut's tomb. 1923, open King Tutankhamun's ancient Egyptian burial chamber. Also, 1968, Senator Rankin Fight of Alabama demonstrates the first 911 emergency telephone system in Haleyville. All the way back in 1968. Birthdays. LeVar Burton. 1957, American actor, director, Star Trek, The Next Generation, and films as well. There you go. There's February 16th for you here on a Thursday. All right. So uh, looking ahead tonight, we've got uh, basketball times two, softball, and baseball to kind of sort of get you ready for, although I'll, I'll – Reserve baseball for maybe a little later on in the show and tomorrow because opening day for Wichita State Baseball isn't until tomorrow. They take on Long Beach State uh, in the first of a seven-game road trip. But uh, there's a game tonight in Philadelphia for you Shocker fans to lock in on, preview that. Wichita State women played Tulsa last night. They stopped the bleeding with another double-double by one of the hottest players in the American. And softball has a game tonight in San Diego against San Diego State. Of course, you well know they are already underway. They're 4-1. We'll tell you who softball has lined up tonight. Well, I just did. And after that, starting tomorrow in San Diego. And then we'll crank up the show in earnest. First, Wichita State goes to a place that the men's basketball team has never won, and that is Philadelphia to play Temple. And if Wichita State can get a win for the first time ever, 
in Philly, they would even their AAC mark for the first time after they started 0-3. And kudos to Brian Holmgren, the SID at Wichita State. They'll also be trying to do something they haven't done since December 22nd, and that is win a weekday game. They've dropped six in a row in the midweek, oddly. 0-2, Wichita State against Temple on its home court, losing in in, uh, 2018 and 2020 as a nationally ranked team. So not an easy place for Wichita State to win. However, Temple, like Wichita State, has been better on the road this year than at home. Temple's 7-6 and six in Philly. And they won their first five AAC road games before they dropped back-to-back games at SMU and at Memphis. Wichita State is 5-3 and three on the road with three straight wins compared to 7-7 seven and seven on its home court. And, of course, Wichita State coming off that scintillating double overtime win over SMU, 91-89, to shooting 57% from the floor. So, if you believe in momentum, Wichita, Wichita State's got a little and a little pep in their step after Kenny Poto had a career game. As for Temple, Aaron McKee, their head coach, fourth-year coach, former Owl great and NBA veteran. They have Khalif Battle, who shoots a lot, frankly, and was is, was one of their better players before he got hurt. Um, he injured his foot seven games into the 2021-2022 season. He's bounced back to average 18.5 points per game, fourth in the AAC, and he shoots 32.5% of Temple's shots. That's 20th in the country. So Khalif Battle, guy to keep an eye on. Also Damian Dunn, 14 points per game preseason all-conference. Damian Dunn, 83% foul shooter. And when you pair him with Khalif Battle, who's a 90% foul shooter, they average nearly 10 free throw attempts per game. And as a team, they're 15th in the country in foul shooting, 77%. So Wichita State will be trying to keep them off the foul line. You might remember Jameel Reynolds, the 6'10 guy from UCF. He transferred there. 10 points, nearly six rebounds for him. And that game is tonight at 6 o'clock. And that'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Shockers trail the all-time series 6-5, to five, but they've won 5 of 8 in the American. Seven of the 11 games have been decided by five points either way. And Temple is just one of two American teams that Wichita State hasn't beaten on the road since joining the American. They're also winless at Houston, although Wichita State has twice eliminated Temple from the AAC tournament with quarterfinal wins. So there you go. There is your Wichita State Temple look ahead. That's tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Now, a look back to last night. 
And shifting gears to the women, Jaina Sinde and Trajada Colbert, regardless of the up-and-down nature of the the team and the record in and out of the American, those two have been going crazy over about the last month. And they did it again last night. They both had double-doubles. Wichita State 84, Tulsa 68. Shockers go to 15-11, and 5-8. In the league, they snapped a four-game losing streak versus Tulsa. And Asinde had a career-high 27 points to go with 12 rebounds. It's her 10th double-double, third in her last four games. Trajada Colbert's been even better than that. She had her fifth straight double-double with 21 and 14. DJ McCarty had a forgettable game against ECU, fouling out with no points. She had 13 points, four assists, and four steals. And Amber Kalkin, really the only reliable three-point shooter at Wichita State has on the roster, 10 points off the bench. And Wichita State had everything clicking pretty much last night. 45% from the floor, great again from the free throw line, 21 out of 24. And they were plus 16 on the boards and forced 15 turnovers. That's in them. That happens every now and then, but not often enough, and certainly didn't happen against ECU, but Wichita State's up and down women's basketball season continues, and it was up last night as they trounced Tulsa 84-68. Up next, it'll be a trip to Dallas next Wednesday. So they don't play again until the 22nd against SMU. That's at 6 o'clock for the Shocker women, trying to get closer and closer to 500 in the American as the season winds down. Now, as far as the softball team is concerned, they play San Diego State tonight. So they are in San Diego after going 4-1 and in San Marcos, Texas. So they're out on the West Coast playing a single game against San Diego State tonight and then going cross town to the USD tournament, play South Dakota, uh, South Dakota, play San Diego, Utah Tech, who the baseball team will play next weekend, Boise State, and Fairleigh Dickinson. So kind of a mixed bag of uh Softball teams out on the West Coast in San Diego. Tonight's matchup with San Diego State uh, looks a little familiar, at least on paper. San Diego State is also 4-1. They beat Cal State Northridge in their opener and beat fellow American foe Memphis 7-1. San Diego State did in going to 4-1 on the season. Of course, Wichita State. 4-1 4-1 as well with victories over Kent State, Villanova, Texas State, although the Bobcats clipped Wichita State last Sunday to get, hand them their first loss, 7-4, and kind of a disastrous one inning of play where Wichita State gave up all seven of their runs to Texas State and couldn't recover, losing 7-4. So they should be tested tonight, softball team against San Diego State, and then starting tomorrow, they will be at the USD tournament with the Toreros, Utah Tech, Boise State, and Fairleigh Dickinson. 
I mean, meanwhile, Wichita State baseball, their season starts tomorrow night. They will take on the Long, uh, Long Beach State Dirtbags, first of three at Blair Field. And then from there, they will go on a circuitous journey to St. George, Utah. Jack, how old were you when you discovered that Utah had a city in it called St. George? Uh, today's year, today's years old, or today years old. <laughs> I can't pronounce it correctly. I have I no idea. Some, I was telling somebody last night, I was well over 40 years old on this planet before I discovered there was anything in St. George, Utah. They are the former Dixie State, now Utah Tech Trailblazers. They are in the whack. And that's who Wichita State baseball will play four times in three days coming up next weekend. But Long Beach State out of the Big West starting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. We'll talk more about them a little bit later on today, I'm sure, with Jamie Bluma. And then certainly tomorrow as we preview the season for you. And it'll be a little more Wichita State baseball intensive as they get set to take on Long Beach State tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon to kick off the season and kick off the era of Lorne Hibbs and his return to the captain's chair. Uh, Taking over for Eric Wedge, who parted ways with Wichita State in the offseason and moving Lorne Hibbs over one chair, as it were, former director of ops, former Wichita State assistant way back in the day, and certainly former Charlotte head coach for many, many years. So Wichita State's baseball team seems to be in good hands, and the players seem to be uh, rallying around him, I guess, if that's where you want to put it. Uh, they got a kind of a, a spring in their step, and, and you would expect that at this time of the year. They're chomping at the bit, ready to play baseball, but I think it is noticeable how well they've responded to – what could be considered upheaval in the coaching staff. Now, they didn't exactly go outside the program to find Eric Wedge's replacement. He was right there, and certainly no stranger to Shocker Baseball, uh, current or past. So it's not like there's a bunch of angst or anxious times with Lauren Hibbs running the ship and Mike Pelfrey and Mike Sirianni and Connor Barons, they're still there. Nate Briscoe's still there. You know, all those guys that were around the program when Eric was there, still there with Lauren, is, well, with Lauren here now. And we'll see how it goes. But uh, there is some, and I don't want to say renewed energy, but it just seems like it inside the program and among the players. And they will be tested pretty much right off the bat by Long Beach State to finish up around the top of the Big West. They've got a bunch of Division I transfers in their first year of the program. Uh, probably going to sound like a broken record all year long in pretty much every sport, but uh, Long Beach State has retooled as well out here, out in the Big West, trying to make some noise and get back to a regional, much like Wichita State. There's, there's some similarities with two programs, and they go back a long ways, believe it or not, for a team, a couple of teams that are, what, 1,200 miles apart? They've actually met a fair amount of times in the past. 
including at the College World Series. And they've had multiple home-and-homes, despite the distance and despite the real, I don't know, Wichita State doesn't recruit California, period. So you can go ahead and start with that. But there has been over the years a kind of a, a weird synergy or relationship between Wichita State and Long Beach State. And to a lesser degree, Cal State Fullerton, they've played them multiple times, California and in Kansas. And they will crank up the rivalry, I guess, as it were, with Long Beach State starting tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. But more talk about that tomorrow as we get a little closer to the college baseball season. So men's basketball tonight. Congratulations, women's basketball for thumping Tulsa. And softball tonight and tomorrow and all weekend long in San Diego. So plenty of shocker action to keep your eye on. We'll keep our finger on the pulse of all that stuff. We'll let you know, of course, tomorrow uh, what WSU and Temple does in Philadelphia, what San Diego State and Wichita State did in softball. That game's tonight, and we'll get you ready for shocker baseball tomorrow. So there you have that. It is 1220. The Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame has a brand-new member. And we'll tell you who that is and look back at all the rest. And when it comes to managing Kansas City, you might be surprised at how few guys stick around for very long. But the most recent Hall of Famer has the most staying power of them all. Ned Yost is in the Royals Hall of Fame think you know your Yoast. Coming up next with Jack Johnson, it is 1220 here on a Thursday. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. I tend to second-guess dinners with friends because they're often interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit Creon.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N.com. Sponsored by Ab. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. On that heavy shelf you hung yesterday. Turns out, you didn't use enough anchors. Wait, you didn't use any anchors? (laughs) Now you've got an open floor plan. Trendy. 
And if you have the wrong home insurance, you could need a wall of money to fix this. So get home insurance with Allstate and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Did you know that carbon monoxide is odorless and invisible? And the only way to detect it is by installing carbon monoxide or CO alarms. First Alert is reminding you to install CO alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. Also, remember, alarms don't last forever and need to be replaced at least every 5 to 10 years, depending on your alarm. Protect your home and family with safety you can trust by visiting FirstAlert.com and Lowe's stores for your carbon monoxide alarms. Wichita's home for Chiefs coverage. ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. I, I told y'all before the season, we got, we got Coach Andy Reid, we got guys like Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. We're going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Coach Reid, there's some reports out there that you might retire. I, I think I'm going to hang around. Uh, I'm not going to say Dynasty yet. We're not done. So I'm not going to say Dynasty yet. When you want the latest on your favorite teams, tune into Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. I believe pitching coach Dave Island was just ejected from the game. And now Ned Yost has been ejected from the game. Don't see heated arguments like that anymore. And Ned, he's sticking up for his players. Tempers flaring early in this one. The rubber game. Okay, Greg Gibson, he told Ned not to come out. Not to come out. We got it all covered, but Ned kept coming. And he threw him, and that's going to be an early shower for Ned. He'll get an ovation from the home crowd. That sounded like quite a crowd, Jack. Uh, can you give us a backstory on that? So if you remember uh, a series back in, um, it would have been April, I want to say, of 2015. So the crowd uh, being mm. very loud on a Sunday. But it was the series where Brett Laurie went in, spikes up, and, and spiked Escobar. And then okay. the Royals threw at Oakland, and Oakland threw at the Royals. Okay, and yeah. this kicked off the game, and they Casimir, Scott Casimir hit Kane in the foot. And it, I don't mm-hmm. think it was intentional, but the Royals have been hit more than any other team in baseball at that point. And yeah. they gave Greg Gibson, home plate umpire, gave both mm-hmm. benches a warning and then told Danny Duffy to get down from the top step. And then Yost came out, and the best part of the clip is Yost was chewing gum, and as he's two inches from Greg Gibson's face, he pauses for a second, takes the gum out of his mouth, and spikes it on the ground <laughs> and, and continues to just go at him. But, yeah, no, that was one of my favorite right. Ned Yost ones. He also got ejected once when Alex Gordon got tossed for – Tossing his bat too high in the air after striking out. I think uh-huh. it was one of the first times he got ejected, but that one had profanity that was easily caught by the mics because there was nobody at the game, so couldn't That's play awesome. that one. <laughs> All right, so uh, the reason why we're playing that here on the show is Ned Yost has become the 27th Hall of Famer in the Kansas City Royals history. He was announced, uh, I noticed it today, I don't know if it was announced last night, but um, the 27th Hall of Famer for the Kansas City Royals, dating back to 1986, when two players were inducted in 86. Steve Busby, Amos Otis, first two guys that were inducted into the Royals Hall of Fame. A lot of people forget 
that Amos Otis had a real long run and a successful one in the Royals outfield. He was an all-star multiple times, and it only took him three years after he was done with the Royals to get inducted in the Hall of Fame. So it's pretty much a no-brainer uh, for the powers that be, the brain trust, to put Amos Otis in ASAP. And then Cookie Rojas, Paul Splitorf, Dick Hauser were inducted into the Royals Hall of Fame the next year. Two years later, in 1989, Dennis Leonard and Hal McRae. Three years after that, Freddie Patek into the Royals Hall of Fame. And then former GM and President Joe Burke, along with Larry Gura, one of my favorites growing up, in 1992. Gura pitched there from 76 to 85. And then founder and owner Ewing Kaufman, George Brett, Frank White, First Lady Muriel Kaufman, John Mayberry, Dan Quisenberry, Whitey Herzog, talk about him in just a second, and then Willie Wilson, Jeff Montgomery, Denny Matthews, Brett Saberhagen, Mark Gubazaw, the late, great Art Stewart, Kevin Apier, George Toma, who was the Royals groundskeeper from 1969 to 1995. you got to be of a certain age to remember him. Well, you don't, but as a Royals groundskeeper, you do. And then Mike Sweeney is the most recent member of the Royals Hall of Fame. So Ned Yost becomes the 27th Royals Hall of Famer. In digging back through some of the numbers um, and looking at Ned's longevity when it comes to his run with the Royals, it is really really an outlier when it comes to managers in Kansas City. He managed from 2010 to 2019, and I'm just uh, looking here without using a calculator, almost 1,600 games, about 1,580-ish with the Royals. Yeah, 1,585 with the Royals, a total of 2,544 elsewhere. But he is far and away, far and away, the longest tenured manager in Royals history. Kansas City managers, it's been a wasteland for your career if you're not named Ned Yost. And I got the numbers here to back it up, and it's really startling to me because Ned with over 1,500, and then, well, we'll get into the specifics of about how long managers stick around in Kansas City as we go here, but we need to kick off a little think you know your Yoast with our resident Royals honk, Jack Johnson, who's also the producer and contributor of the show. But I want to run a few things by you and just see how well you know your Yoast, first of all. Can you come anywhere close, Jack, to giving me Ned Yost's real entire name? It is. Oh, 
I know Edgar's in there. Edgar's his first name. Oh, what is the long word for Ned? It's, uh, oh, it's, I'm just going to go it's Ned. Real... Is it, it's, Ned is obviously short for something. Mm. No, is it just Ned See, Edgar it's... Yost? No, it's Edgar Frederick Yost the Third. Edgar, okay, there we go. Yeah, Edgar Frederick Yost the Third. A little tricky. Um, where all did he play? Where all did he get a big league at bat? Well, first off, I'm going to give me some bumper music for this great segment. Damn, damn right. Yes. Let's go Brewers. I know yes. Brewers was the, the main place he played. Where else did he play? I'm going to go Milwaukee. Wasn't he in Montreal for a year? At the very end, yeah. yep. Oh, that was man. the toughest one, probably. Could I have a hint for, is there another one last team or two teams? or? 1984, one team. Team in the American League. South of Kansas City. Ah, Texas? In the state of Texas. <laughs> Texas Rangers, yeah, okay. 1984. So, so only three organizations as a player. He's actually drafted twice, first by the Brewers. But he signed his first professional contract with the Mets. And then he went to the Brewers in the Rule 5 draft in 1977. Primarily backup catcher for the Brewers, which included the 1982 World Series, by the way. Played a career-high 80 games with the Rangers, but alas, only hit 182. He was a lifetime 212 hitter. Did hit 16 bombs. Never had more than 242 at-bats. And a 237 on base percentage. So a lot like the guys he managed in Kansas City, he wasn't much for walking. Do you know who Ned Yost replaced in Milwaukee as their manager? Oh, man. No, I should know this because he was there forever. Um, he also got so wrongly fired in the middle of a pennant race. What year was was he there? It was it like 06 and 07? He actually took over in Milwaukee in 03. 03. Should I know this guy or was he barely eh, there? Um he's fringy. I think Jerry like, Royster. Oh, okay. I was gonna see, I was gonna go with Davy Lopes. I thought Davy Lopes was there around the early two thousands. He may have been on that staff. Do you know in 2008, who replaced Ned? Yeah, it was Dale in Swain. Milwaukee. Dale Swain, very Joined good. Joined the staff yes. a little bit later with the Royals. Yes, yes, he did. So, Milwaukee, um, Tony Larusa named Yost to be part of the coaching staff in the All Star game in 2005. By the way, dating back all the way to then, Yost came under fire in 2007. During the season, Brewers had an eight-and-a-half game division lead over the Cubs in mid-June, but failed to hold on. Yost's bullpen management, lineup strategies, and bench management came into question. He was also thrown out of three games in the last week of the season. <laughs> Perfect. But Doug Melvin, three games in the last week, that's impressive. But Doug Melvin announced that he would come back in 2008. He was then fired in September of 2015, uh, 2015, September 15, 2008, 
with 12 games left in the regular year. They were still in the playoff race, but at the time of his firing, they'd lost 11 of their last 14 games. Do you know why he wore number three? Dale Earnhardt. Very good friends with Dale Earnhardt, apparently, yes. Following the 2009 season, Yost was a candidate to be the next manager of who? Ooh, that's Besides a good one. Kansas City, he, he was a he was a I don't want to say finalist because I don't want to be speaking out of turn here, but he was a candidate in another place besides Kansas City. Was it American League? Actually, um, yeah, American League. See, I was going to guess Atlanta because he was there for a long, long time. Right. That would have been a good guess, but no. Mm, so not Atlanta. And he wasn't a finalist for the Royals job. I misspoke. He replaced somebody. Yeah, he replaced Trey Hillman. Trey Hillman, that was my next question. Oh, um, man. So American League, could you give me a division? I'll give you who got the job instead. How's that? I could do that, yeah. In- instead of going with Ned Yost, this team went with Brad Mills. Ah, uh, Houston. Houston, yes. Yeah, he was there in the bad Houston years. Yes. So in May of 2010, Ned was named manager of the Royals, replacing Trey Hillman. Prior to the t- 2012 season, they extended him one more year, which was in 2013. Then he went 86 and 76, their first winning season in 10 years. And then we know what happened in 2014 and 2015. But I was looking at his, I don't know, legacy, lineage, the list of the Royals managers. Besides Ned, Jack, did you realize that nobody, but nobody in the history of the Royals franchise Average more than five seasons as their manager. I didn't know that, but it just it wouldn't shock me. Dick Hauser managed seven hundred and sixty nine games, and if you extrapolate that over one hundred sixty two games per year, he lasted four point seven four years, and nobody else. Well, one other guy kind of came close, but nobody sniffed Ned's longevity. We'll get to him in a minute. Can you name all of any or all of the Royals managers with more than a handful of games managed that managed to win 50% of the games they managed? Let's go Whitey Herzog. Yes, he's the best at 574. And then I'll go Dick Hauser. Dick Hauser won at a 525 clip. And I can include Ned here, right? If he were to if be were, of, oh, above 500, that's right, he's you below. can. That's below. Yes. Um, how about... Gosh, this is going to be... How about John Wathen? Friend of the show, John Wathen. 515 winning percentage. You might be surprised to know he won more than he lost. 
How about how McCray you think I'm a damn fool? 508 <laughs> for old Harold McCray in 563 games that he managed. He one morning lost. There's only really one more, although this guy was only there two years, but took him to the World Series. Ooh. Do you know who took him to the World Series in 1980, youngster? I'm between, I'm like caught between Jack McKeon and Jim Frey. Very good. It's Jim Frey, okay. but, Fry, but it's Fry. him. And Jack McKeon also won over 50% of his game. Okay. So congratulations. Narrowly missing in 126 games was Billy Gardner. Then there was Bob Lemon in the 70s. On an interim basis, no doubt, Mike Ferraro in 1986. Well, that was after Dick Hauser, of course. And then there's Ned at 483. No one came anywhere close to winning as many as he did. Or losing as many as he did. Two playoff appearances. 22 playoff wins. He was 22-9 and nine in the playoffs. And brought him a World Series. Best postseason the other, record. By far. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's a good, good point. The other two Royals managers that tasted the World Series, Dick Hauser was... Eight and tw- uh, eight and twelve, and Whitey Herzog was five and nine. That was their record in the playoffs. But old Edgar was twenty-two and nine in his two playoff appearances, narrowly missed, and then won it. And I gotta say, I think we agree that he was this close. Having his, you know what, on the chopping block, after he brought in Jordan yeah. ben, uh, Jordano Ventura, kind of willy nilly. See, this was this was the 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 downside of of Ned Yost managing the way he did. It seemed like he was against analytics, managed with his gut and not with his head. That's why he let off Alcides Escobar so much. And at the time, it was really radical what he was doing with his bullpen. But he, frankly, and I'll, this is a hill I'll die on, he lost his mind bringing in Jordano Ventura in that wild card game against Oakland and somehow got away with it. I was there in the stadium, and I remember when he then had to come pull Jordano Ventura for Kelvin Herrera, and he got a raining down of booze. And I think everybody at that point was like, that was the move to get his ass fired. Yep. Which was unfortunate because that was the Royals' first postseason appearance in 29 years. You would think there's no way in hell this guy gets fired. But you know what? I do want to go out and say that though it was a terrible decision to bring in Jordano Ventura, who was still only 23, and also you burned a guy you were hoping to start in, in Game 2, really. Because think about then in Game 1 of the ALDS, I think you had to go with Jason Vargas, if I'm not mistaken. So Vargas had to go game one, who was supposed to go game three, and you could add Guthrie go game four, but they threw Ventura for, I think it was, I think he maybe got out of the inning, but then he was just booed when he had that decision. The thing is, though, not enough blame goes on James Shields in that game. Big game James just flaming out uh, twice, getting, you know, 
toasted by it was Brandon Moss and then I'm forgetting one other guy. Maybe he just got singled to death after that point, but Moss hit the tank off Ventura yep. that same yep. inning. But yeah, I don't I don't know what was going through his mind, but he also probably wasn't the only guy in the dugout saying, Let's go with Yo uh, here to well, get out what, of this inning. About what inning was that? It was it early, early? It was or? the sixth, I think it was. It uh, was definitely see, Herrera type of moment. My fifth or sixth, I believe it was. I think so, it was sixth. So it was late enough in the game that they could they could start counting out anybody but Ventura. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A guy that was super young at the time probably wouldn't. I mean, how many times could he have ever pitched in relief in his life? You know, in all that Omaha stuff that he was Northwest Arkansas. I I doubt even there. But I I just I remember at the time wondering in what universe would you think this is a good idea? Like. What, what do you think the one thing that Ned said to his in his inner monologue or maybe to Dave Island or whoever the hell his pitching coach was, like, here's why I want to do this. you think he could come in and just air it out for an inning and get us out of here by throwing 1,000 miles an hour? I mean, you got guys that, that get paid to do that and did it well all season long, and you want to kind of trade play fantasy baseball with with your roster in the most important game of the year what what do you think was going through his mind if you had to guess you know i was just thinking as i'm pulling up baseball reference i was wondering if Jordano ventura had really good numbers against the oakland athletics and then it was a hey they can't see him that well but as i'm pulling it up that would not check out not the case was zero and two with a seven nine era and three starts against the oakland athletics so they always saw him well. I think the the idea was if we can just bring him in, he'll be a fireball. He'll be ramped up. He'll be throwing 102 like he was in yeah. Game 2 of the ALDS. Yeah. But, again, he was 23. I think it was just a let's throw all of our best pitchers out there. But I think what was always lost in, in that translation was you were in the sixth. This wasn't the fourth. If it was the third or the fourth and, and big game James flamed out that early, Maybe. then I'm going, all right, I could see yeah. it a little bit. But when you're in the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth, it was always going to be HDH. You were just going to go with those guys. And if you didn't go HDH, hell, the 6th inning could belong to Jason Frazier, who you went to a number of times in mm-hmm. the postseason there. But it was wild to me. I think it was to try to overpower the Oakland lineup because James Shields threw some, I mean, above the league average. I mean, he was sitting probably 93, 94, maybe 95, really ramping it up. But Ventura was well above league average. I think at the point in time, had the highest average velocity on his fastball at around 97 or 98. So my guess always was then he's trying to overpower somebody, but boy, Brandon Moss was sitting dead red on the Uh, fastball. Man, I was thinking when this game's over or maybe even before, that's it. That's, That's it. But... Man, the team rallied around him, which turned out to be one of the most exciting games in Kaufman history, and the rest is history, because not only did Edgar Frederick Yost III survive that game, won the World Series, and he's now a Royals Hall of Famer, and by far and away, the longest tenured Royals manager in history, and it is startling how it is not close, so... Flash forward to this year, we wish Matt Quattraro the very best. But if he lasts five years, he'll be in the minority when it comes to managing the Kansas City Royals. 
And for those that win more than they lose, there aren't many of those either. As Tony Pena won at a 410 clip, Bob Boone 468, Buddy Bell 399, and Mike Matheny in 384 games won exactly 43% of the games that he managed to. All right, it's 1047. When we come back, we'll take a look at Twitter and set you up for hour number two. Shane Dennis Show on a Thursday. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Message of data rates may apply. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text APPLY NOW to 88909 right now to get started. That's APPLY NOW to 88909. Auto financing the easy way. Text APPLY NOW to 88909. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Pennzoil Platinum can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $38.99. Get everything you need for better fuel efficiency at any of our 6,200 stores or on AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. When people have a craving to explore new and traditional Asian cuisines, they head to P.F. Chang's, where scratch-made dishes come from the 2,000-year-old tradition of wok cooking. P.F. Chang's wanted to explore new possibilities for their website. They turned to AmericanEagle.com. AmericanEagle.com re-architected P.F. Chang's website, integrating multiple third-party systems to create a unified digital experience. The results? Improved page speed and performance, personalized content based on users' location, intuitive online ordering, and increase in organic search visibility and a 40% increase in new users. For scratch-made Asian cuisine, visit your local P.F. Chang's or go to pfchangs.com for website design, development, digital marketing, and hosting that produce efficiency, revenue, and results. Visit AmericanEagle.com. P.F. Chang's and AmericanEagle.com. Another example of the best businesses in the world. Turning to the best in the business for websites, go to AmericanEagle.com or call 877-WEBNOW1. That's 877-WEBNOW1. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much of love drives a man insane You broke my will, but what a thrill 
goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I Twelve fifty here on a Thursday. Shane Dennis show continues. Headlines coming up at uh, one o'clock, and then Jamie Bluma will join at one twenty-five as we get closer to baseball season, college and otherwise. I'm sure, he'll have thoughts on that. Get his latest thoughts on the College Baseball Hall of Fame and where that's at. He's smack dab in the middle of that, so we'll talk to him coming up uh, about thirty minutes from now. And then I'm old Jack Young. At the end of the show, and then we'll hand you off to Pat and the Pulse coming up from 2 to 4. Right now, the Twitter question, and it has to do with Royals managers. Royals fans, who you got? Whitey, Hauser, or Ned? At ESPN Wichita, vote for who you like. Whitey, Whitey Herzog, Dick Hauser, or Ned Yost? Dick Hauser is getting 50% of the vote. Number retired, World Series champion, 1985. Ned Yost, new Royals Hall of Famer, 30.6% of the vote. Whitey Herzog, 1980 World Series, 19.4% of the vote so far. At ESPN Wichita is where you can go, and please vote and please retweet if you have a little bit of time. Appreciate you. For that, coming up here in a couple of hours, it'll be happy hour at Twin Peaks, and nobody does happy hour like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and extensive bourbon category to top shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu second to none. And don't forget about their twenty nine degree man sized drafts. Also. Coming up on the 22nd, so that would be a week from tomorrow, it's National Margarita Day. Spoiler. Uh, so you can celebrate then, or anytime you like, with the best margarita lineup in the game. What's your go-to style? House, Peaks, Watermelon, or On the Rocks? National Margarita Day is a week from tomorrow. Head in there the next time you have the opportunity at Twin Peaks, happy hour or otherwise. East 21st and Rock, West at Ridge and Taft. All right, so you and I, Jack, have kicked this around a little bit about roster um, construction or what the roster will look like when the Royals break camp. And I got to believe we need to do this here in the next week or so. I don't know. I don't know that there's... A real time frame on it, but uh, position players, pitchers, how we see things shaking out, and one of the most unpredictable things, and certainly the, one of the biggest variables in spring training, that doesn't seem to ever really be a thing with the Royals, but correct me if I'm wrong, is trades. We keep hearing more and more whispers from Max Reaper, uh, David Lasky, all the Royals insiders, that there's such a glut of pitchers number one and so so much that is yet to be determined in a very short period of time that some conventional wisdom by those in the know seem to think that there might be some trades made to create room in a particular position group for the royals before they break camp 
Um, am I wrong in thinking, Jack, that normally coming into spring training, that's nowhere really on the radar, or am I, or am I nuts? I think it can be on the radar, but here in Kansas City, it feels like every time they've gone into camp, there's really been some, uh, I guess, uh, there's rarely been, excuse me, there's rarely been a lot of times where the roster hasn't been that set, or the position battles have not really been, or have already been set. So with this team right now going into spring training, I think you could certainly pinpoint some of the spots on the field that are not going to be up for grabs. For instance, when you look at the catching position, that's Salvador Perez's, and there was a great story that Annie Rogers put out on how Paul Hoover is helping Salvi with his pitch framing, uh, getting extra strikes for the pitching staff. I think first base is settled with Vinny Pasquantino. Shortstop or third base is pretty much settled if it's Bobby Witt Jr. there. Michael Garcia would be the only one that would push Bobby Witt Jr. over to shortstop. But other than that, I, I mean, I think there are some spots that can have some sort of a battle there. Of course, they signed Fran Reyes to a minor league deal yesterday. He'll be competing for the designated hitter spot. Does Isbell beat out Drew Waters for center field? So that's where the Royals are position player-wise. As for the bullpen, I think, as you just pointed out, that's where some of those trades may happen. And maybe they do deal Hunter Dozier somewhere. I'm just not counting on it. But you have a lot of left-handed arms. You think about Richard Lovelady, Amir Garrett, Josh Taylor. They're not going to trade Josh Taylor because they just acquired him. So maybe Garrett yeah. or Lovelady would be a guy they would ship off somewhere. Uh, maybe they trade a guy away like a Josh Stalmont because you have Aroldis Chapman now at the back end of that bullpen. You also have Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow. You have Taylor Clark as well. The bullpen feels a little bit crowded to me. And I know some of those spots are going to be dwindled or some of those guys are going to be weeded out because they don't have a good spring training. They get banged up and maybe the Royals are going into spring training trying to have this overhaul of depth where if some guy doesn't perform well or gets hurt, next guy up. It's not a detrimental mm-hmm. spot where last year if you lose a Scott Barlow, there's nobody that can get outs in that bullpen. I mean, absolutely yeah. nobody. Maybe this year it's, hey, we don't want to trade anybody because we know in spring training injuries happen, guys underperform, and maybe we can stash those guys away in AAA. So you never really know how a bullpen can shake out. Maybe a guy like Jackson Kowar excels in spring training and is pumping upper 90s, and you go, hell, we don't want him down in Omaha. Why should we keep Taylor Clark over a guy like Jackson Kowar? So that's what I'm looking more toward in spring training. Not so much a trade that is going to happen, but more so of who beats out who in the bullpen. Because the position battles, it's going to be in the bullpen to me, not so much of the line of the one through nine type of guys. I think somebody uh, pointed out, well, somebody did, I can't remember who, uh, pointed out on Twitter that Annie Rogers had uh, Dylan Coleman absent of her opening day roster. You think that's possible? I mean, he must have options, and maybe that's the reason why, after they acquired maybe a couple of people that don't have any options. I'm, I know, as you know, I'm not the biggest Dylan Coleman fan. I don't hate him. We've but, had plenty of uh, texts with Dylan Coleman. <laughs> we, we certainly have. He's been polarizing between you and me. But if he does have options, that that could mess with a guy's head. And yes. not that you deserve to stay in the big leagues just because you've been in the big leagues. But I would have thought that he thinks, all right, tough part's over. I'm a big mm. leaguer now. Let's move on. Let's go. If he gets optioned out of – Spring training, I would worry about him moving forward. A hundred percent. And you know what? If Dylan Coleman starts the year in Omaha, uh, you will see me with a a burning pitchfork outside of Kauffman Stadium (laughs) because there's no reason the guy – I know ERA is not everything, 
but there's no reason a guy that's pumping triple digits to be in triple A below somebody else in that bullpen that's maybe pumping well, mid to low 90s. But it's like you said, though, Jack. They acquired our oldest Chapman. They were yeah. they acquired the kid from Boston. Um, does Colin Snyder make the it's I think, attrition? Yes, it does. But also when you look at his numbers from last year, I mean, struck out nearly 10 guys per nine. Really the only knock, Shane, and as we both pointed out last year, he walked a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. But here's also the other fact, and I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say this because last year and I made. By the way, I don't care if you walk a lot of guys if you strike out the yeah. world. So if he picks up his strikeout rate, uh, whatever, walk as many as you want. You strike out the next guy, we don't care. I made the prediction last year. I said the guy in the bullpen, and like I just said, ERA doesn't mean anything, but I said Dylan Coleman will have the lowest ERA of anybody in the bullpen next this last year. I said that before mm-hmm. last season. And he ended up having the lowest ERA at 278. And. Yes, his whip was a little bit above league average, but there were stretches, Shane, where he was the most unhittable guy in the bullpen because that slider had some good bite to it. His fastball was firm and had a little bit of movement to it, and he was pumping 101-102. There were also times that Dylan Coleman started the inning with back-to-back walks on nine pitches. So that's yeah. the downside of Dylan Coleman. But here's the thing, and I think I will to make another bold prediction with Dylan Coleman. Not only do I think Dylan Coleman will have the lowest DRA in the bullpen this year, I think Dylan Coleman will be the best Royals bullpen arm this year. Maybe go as far to say he'll be the best Royals pitcher this year because now with the right tutoring, with the right pitching philosophy, I mean, could you imagine if That's they, the wild card, man. It is, but it's a wild That's card I'm willing to take. I, I'm willing to take that chance, and I'm willing to take the chance on Dylan Coleman because he throws that hard. I mean, yeah. Dil- Dylan Coleman at age 26 right now, I mean, you want to think that he can be a closer one day in Kansas City because Scott Barlow is not going to get any better than he already has been. The best years of Scott Barlow are behind him. He can still be a very good pitcher, but I think the Royals are counting on Dylan Coleman to be what they thought Josh Stallmont would after the COVID year. Josh Stallmont was the guy that once he sort of harnessed that command, he was unhittable. And Dylan Coleman last year, despite having his blips, was still incredibly effective. I mean... I think there's been years, Shane, where you've had a guy in the Royals bullpen over the last five that had great stuff, and he could go through a, a weekend series or two that looked really good, but then there'd be that one start where it completely unraveled and his numbers at the end of the year looked really poor. That's not Dylan Coleman. Career ERA, 266, 74 and a third innings pitched, strikeouts of 78, a whip of 1.211. That's, I think, slightly below league average. So those are numbers when you're not a very good team you can't have down in Omaha. So why Annie Rogers had Dylan Coleman in Omaha to start the year, whether it was a mistake or not, I mean, it would take a cataclysmic performance in surprise in February and March for him to be off the roster. I mean, I think he is, of the guys that are in the bullpen right now, he is one of two locks, being Barlow and Coleman. I think everybody else is kind of a question mark, depending on how they fare and how healthy they are in surprise. And that's fair. It could have been a glitch by Annie Rogers, but it was pointed out on Twitter and kind of got everybody riled up that he wasn't uh, on the roster that Annie Rogers had put together that would break camp and go north um, on March 30th. But he does still have options, and maybe that was the reasoning behind that. Maybe she's clarified that, and I just hadn't seen it. We're right on top of the hour, the Can't Equip Case IH Red Zone Hour. When we come back, we'll have some headlines for you. Hour number two on a Thursday, Shane Dennis Show next. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.